the Podfix Network. Hello and welcome to episode 203 of the Filmmakers Podcast. I am Giles Alderson, I'm a writer, director and a producer and this podcast, as you all know by now, is all about filmmaking and how you can make them and today is no exception because our guests are the fantastic Adam Leader, Richard Oakes and Neil Ward who talk all about their feature film, Hosts, which is a fantastic home invasion horror thriller with elements of sci-fi. It has already got to the top of the chart. It's an incredible journey. Adam Leader and Richard Oakes directed the movie. They also produced it. Adam wrote it and Richard was a cinematographer. Neil is the star of the movie, uh, one of them anyway, and he's also been in feature films Two Graves and 24 Little Hours, two superb indie films. So on today's episode we talk all about how having great visuals and SFX is vital for a home invasion gory sci-fi. They talk all about how they made the brilliant sci-fi and the team behind that. They talk about how they came up with the idea, how they wrote it, how they shot the movie, produced it and directed together. We also talk about networking and how hard it can be for crew, but how important it is as a filmmaker. We also talk about their YouTube channel, Dark Fable Media, which you can find in the show notes, by the way, and I highly recommend checking that out because that is where they asked people to invest in them and their film hosts and they successfully uh, raised enough money to do so they also talk about being yourself in investment meetings and we talk about stretching their budget which was just 23k uk pounds and they shot in just 10 days the boys were absolutely fantastic it's super inspiring and you're bound to enjoy this week's episode because they're a lot of fun as well but i wanted to i wanted to say to you First of all, thank you so much for listening. Appreciate that. But I wanted to say to you, if you're a filmmaker, creator, actor, writer, you're listening to this and you want to make your movie, your TV show, then don't stop trying. Don't stop believing in your project and your own ability and just go for it. And do you know why I wanted to say that? Because that is the advice I hear all the time, time and again. When I ask my guests for a little bit of advice, they always say the same thing, and it is exactly what they did. So like today's guests, Adam, Richard, and Neil, they had a dream, and they went for it. And you can too. It's time to be brave, people. So as Film Pro Productivity and Success Podcast said in a recent episode, embrace the fear and fail your way to the top. Basically, if you don't do it, you can't fail enough to be successful. There's a quote from the fantastic film Synchronic that I wanted to share with you. Random events, chance and luck, that is the key. That's what it's about. Uh, The directors from Synchronic will be joining us uh, next week, by the way, on next week's episode to talk writing their ace sci-fi thriller starring Anthony Mackie and Jamie Dornan, uh, by the way. But that quote, I'll say it again, random events, chance and luck, that is the key. That's what it's about. But that quote is just the gist of it. Work hard, find the right people and luck will come your way. Honestly, it will. The harder I work, the luckier I get. And that is absolutely true. I've been, this week I've been working on my showreel. I haven't done a new showreel, I haven't done a showreel, for four years. Uh, And I think because this year a load of my films came out, it's like, okay, well you can do a showreel now. So I've been cutting down scenes and doing a showreel. But I've also been working on my scripts and developing projects getting ready and I know COVID is happening now and I know you say yeah it's all well and good for you to say it's not that easy I know but use this time wisely create your packs make that script the best it can be really work hard on it send it to some friends get some advice send it to some competitions but get to the point where you're happy enough to send it out your packs everything ready do budgets practice go make a short in your garden get your iPhone out and do it with your dog with your friend, with whoever you live with. If it's just you, do it by yourself. But just practice. So be inspired and go out there and make your film. Right, let's get to it, to today's episode. Time to be more inspired by our fantastic guests, uh, Adam Leader, Richard Oakes and Neil Ward and myself, Giles Alderson. So why not sit back, relax and enjoy this week's Filmmakers Podcast. 
Hey man, how you doing? I'm good, Neil. How are you, mate? I'm, I'm as good as we all can be at this present moment. It's good to actually see your face properly. Yeah, and I've heard so much about you, and 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 so many people speak very highly of you and stuff. Yeah, it's, thanks for thanks for taking the time out to get us on for this. Yeah, absolutely, it's oh. a great film. I really enjoyed it. You know, I'd heard about the movie as well a lot. There was a lot of buzz about it, and that's always nice, isn't it? Yeah. Hey boys, how you doing, man? Really nice to meet you. Yeah, you too. You too. Thanks for having us on. Nice. I love it. It's really weird. Because I've had three films out this year and you kind of, everyone's going, 2020, it's right off. And I'm like, no. And you guys are the same. You had hosts come out, man. You know, this project of yours that you've wanted for so long. So talk to me more about that and how that felt for you. I mean, this isn't a blow own horn type thing, but I've always kind of just been a, a doer, even if it's doing rubbish. And I think Adam's been the same, which is why we kind of gel. That's why we kind of started our own YouTube channel, just to, to make these stupid short films and to tell people really bad advice on how to make them. Oh, good advice, hopefully. <laughs> it becomes good by the badness. This is what not to do. No, absolutely. Yeah. By last year, by 2020, we'd spent the better part of, of I guess, a year, you know, or, or just over a year working on hosts. And it was a long pro process, man, you know, from, from start to finish. And we put so much in and, and just touching on what Rich said there about us being doers. Yeah, you know, that's exactly what we are. And we started from a tiny little seed of an idea and, and just didn't stop until we had a film. And then 2020 hit. And I mean, the whole thing was negative, of course. You know, you had this pandemic and people dying and getting sick and it's horrible. But there was one advantage, you know, I guess for us, not sounding horrible, but there was an advantage for us, that being that there was like that there was a door a window of opportunity open for us to actually sell hosts because distributors and and streamer, streamers were, were desperate for content so that kind of and we 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 found that they were open they seemed more open to talking to chumps like us basically uh, and yeah we just we just sent out email after email and 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 showing them the trailer and and they liked it so they were asking for private screeners and all of a sudden it turns into almost like this bidding war of offers from all these distributors around the world and it was just fantastic and and that's kind of that's that's how it happened and and here we are today having you know sold it to a few different territories and still selling it to more across the world and and this crazy uk release that's just exploding man it's nuts it's a really really lovely story and it's wonderful i'm i'm over the moon for you guys it's just cool isn't it i love independent stories and independent filmmakers who just go out there and do something and then you put it out at a time where you're like oh my god it's a pandemic and it just does well i mean i like any movie independent movie that does well and you just get recognition and it, it fires off you know it's fucking great um over this time as well we'll come back to to, to more about that in a sec but over this time because we've all been locked in I, I don't normally ask this, but I thought I'd ask you guys because it'd be interesting. Have you watched anything really interesting that has sort of made you take interest and go, oh, I, I wish I'd thought about that? Oh, because we've all sat down and watched so much stuff over this time. Neil, anything that's jumped out at you that you've gone, oh my gosh, that's really cool. It could be an old thing, but what's surprised you during this lockdown that you've watched that you wouldn't normally? I, I watched The Full Monty again. Um, cool. That was great like yeah. men taking the kit off which isn't my bag usually not usually um, but I, yeah. I forgot, <laughs> i've forgotten how good that film was we should bring back more of those 90s style films i really enjoyed them and i wonder if kids these days would like them as much as we did i say kids we weren't exactly kids in the 90s but you know what i mean it was like you know i wonder if they'd like that kind of vibe now because there's not many films like that get made i think there's a few more coming out i think because the people that grew up in in the 80s 90s they're like, I want to make the films that I loved as a kid. And yeah. I think there's a lot of them coming out. Willie's Wonderland is one that I'm really excited oh, about. I don't know that. It's basically the, the the writer and director kind of deny it, but it's it's basically Five Nights at Freddy's, the video game, and they've made the film. But Blumhouse are making the actual Five Nights at Freddy's film. Oh, so they're, they're probably trying to avoid any litigation there, but it looks wicked. Well, those 80s movies are doing well. You look at um, Wonder Woman. It's number one in the charts at the moment. Not for long. Yeah, host <laughs> is coming. Taking over. Adam, was there anything that stood out for you? You know what? Nothing, nothing new, but um, me and my girlfriend, we've been binge watching Breaking Bad again. There's just one thing that just stands out to me and it's when Gus Spring dies. It is some of the best acting I've ever seen, and all it is is just a shriek from him. It is the way he reacts just as that bomb in Hector's chair is about to go off. It's like that fight or flight response when you know you're about to have a car crash or something and you, you can't do anything about it, so you just go, oh! 
it just still holds up, still really strong. But the writing was incredible. But I suppose we're talking about 80s comebacks there for a second. I suppose um, Stranger Things, you know, you look at that huge influence on the kids love all that so maybe you're right maybe we should write a 90s movie right now we're kind of doing that me and rich at the moment <laughs> are you are you wicked have you got a title yet i don't i don't think we're allowed yet but we we do have a title and it's it's pretty cool i think it's a pattern though isn't it it's like the 80s it's very popular like stranger things that took that from like drive influences i'm guessing yeah. like, and that 80s music yeah. and i think it's 90s is going to come in, but the music wasn't so good in the 90s. It depends, doesn't it? I think it depends what era you grew up. I think we just got to that era where the 90s was ah, cheesy and a bit shit, but wonderful at the same time. So maybe for others, it it wasn't. I, I One of my least favourite things about the, uh, the 90s is 90s indie music. I, I cannot stand it. Whereas I, I, I loved stuff like The Prodigy and greats like that that kind of came out of the 90s and late 80s. Would that influence you then, all those sort of 80s, 90s? Did that influence you as filmmakers? Did that make you want to become filmmakers? Was there a film that stood out for you that made you go, okay, I want to make a film because of that? Or was it just genuine influence? Adam, start with you. The first horror movie that I ever, ever saw was the original Nightmare on Elm Street. Mm. Uh, yeah, and after that, I it just I was turned on to horror. I was like, what else? What the fuck can I watch that's worse than this? Like, I need to find something. That's... <laughs> and I was just obsessed with it. And then... Um, I remember I'd always put on scary plays to my my grandparents. They were the audience, and I just wanted to I just wanted to make crazy, scary films. Um, but I also liked music as well. And and when I got to, I guess fourteen, fifteen, or whatever, I started joining bands and stuff. And I went down that route. Ooh, were you a singer or were you a guitarist? A singer, a singer, and nice. I sort of done that for um, a while, and then that that kind of led mine and rich's paths to cross and we was it a terrible indie band and was rich like please you've got to stop this shit it, it, it was it wasn't and that's i think that's one reason why rich took a liking to me because it wasn't an indie band um but um yeah and that's that when we and rich met uh he, he came to shoot my one of my first my first music video we discovered that we both actually wanted to make films together that's nice you know it's interesting how you meet people isn't it neil how did you meet richard and adam how did it come about it was on a patrick Ryder film um and i wasn't even in it uh he was having a screening in um uh piccadilly circus uh and i'd been told by someone in the industry like if you're like looking to do some really good short films you need to try and get on a patrick Ryder one because rich dops them and cinematography is incredible so i'd researched it and had a look and went yeah this guy's stuff is extremely good for the the minimum equipment he uses and it's like this this is ridiculous you wouldn't even think that so i uh, <laughs> went along to the screening and, and found rich outside and i just sort of made a beeline for him and went hey you're richard oaks and he's like oh don't uh, here's my wallet uh, please don't <laughs> um like, no, no i'm a fan i'm i'm i'm, I'm i know so and so and this that and the other one got chatting to him and i said would you mind if i sent you my showreel yeah after that i'd met um adam a networking evening which brought adam along and we all met up and had a chat about stuff and then just went from there really yeah so it's so important those networking events and all going to screenings because that's how you meet and for filmmakers out there it really is it's really hard sometimes to go to them and like say richard was still on his own and you could just it sometimes people get overwhelmed at these things or they just don't care or they've been to so many but actually going to approach someone as Neil did there, is incredible because look at what it's achieved now for you guys, you know, with hosts. Do you, do you guys think it's important to do that as well? Do you think it's important to go to festivals, screenings? I think it is, but I think it's also, like you said, quite difficult. I think there is a, usually a bit of a curse, maybe less so with actors, which is why Neil probably had that confidence. But I think directors and DOPs and people behind the camera are generally behind the camera because they're either butt ugly or because they're not very confident and I'm blessed with both of those things. <laughs> it's just not true. I genuinely think that networking evenings are great, but you need to separate behind the camera people that make the films happen and actors because all that happens is, is you get a group of female male actors just going around the room trying to just work and get into films, which is how you need to do it. But Sometimes when the businessmen talk, the directors talk with the producers and the money men talk to the producers, there's just like actors hanging around and you can, you can watch a room. I go to them purely to sit in the corner with an old fashioned and just watch other people just look so desperate. And it, 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 some people get very far with that. And it's like a numbers game. It's like, I can go home with 
uh, five business cards from people that I can message. I don't even know what they do. Mm. Or like I did, went straight to the one person that I researched and known was going to be there, pluck up the courage because I'm terrible in social situations like that and just go speak to him, say what I want to say. I think his stuff's great, compliment him. And luckily he was a nice guy. And I, 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 again, you're trying to get business done. I, I find that's, that's an, an unhealthy look, but... Again, if you're playing the numbers game, I'd rather play the sort of quality game. Well, you're right. The thing that really helped you, as you've just said, uh, Rich, was he sent you his reel and you were like, OK, send me your reel, whatever. Yeah. But then you watched it. It was like, well, this is really good. So if you've got something to show, you're not just going, hey, I've got a, a film idea. Hey, will you write it? It's like, no, no, come with something. Come with, God, if you came with money, different story. Come with a free camera kit or a free package or a free house that you can film in or, you know, a group of actors. You've already done a podcast on that film or something that will help the filmmakers go, I can see your vision. I can see your story. Or if there's an acting reel that's really well made. I can see this this kid's ability. Very hard for actors. And I do feel for them because it's, it's a busy sphere for them. Um, mm. it's, it's less busy for DOPs. Um, so I'm kind yes. of blessed with that. Um, but they have to keep kind of taking a punt. And and for people like us, like it can sound a bit annoying. And I don't want this to come across the wrong way, but get a lot of messages from actors going, check out my reel, check out my reel, check out my And composers. It's loads of them. It's amazing, isn't it? I get loads Fill of Fill the notes. inbox. And, yeah. and it can get annoying and it can get dismissive, which, which is bad on me, but... A lot of the time you watch it and you go, it's just not good. Like it's mm. it's not to sound bad, it's it's just not good. And you just need to refine your, your craft. And when Neil's popped in, I watched it and I was like, oh my gosh, this is actually really good. And then we had a chat for a bit on Facebook. It was like, yes, it's really good. I, I'd love to kind of blah, 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 blah. But then a couple of months went by and then he walked up to me outside and he was like, I'm that guy you spoke to on Facebook. And I was a bit like, Sorry, mate, can't remember. So it took me a while to figure out who you were. But then when it did click, I remember being outside, when it clicked of, you're that guy with the awesome showreel, we gelled. Richard, I know you've made loads of music videos, and corporates, and you've done like really well, like beautifully shot, really cool stuff. Uh, and Adam, you'd made lots of bits and pieces. And this is the thing that I found before I'd made The Dare, no one would, there'd be lots of, yeah, maybe. Yeah, okay, we like your idea. We like this, but you haven't made a movie yet. So we're not really going to give you the money. Or we might do or it'd fall down. Or I didn't know enough. There were so many issues. How did you get yours made? And were there any problems leading up to that? Had you tried to make a movie before hosts? We kind of found like being being in the, I guess in the, in the, the independent filmmakers circles, like we, we sort of, not everyone, but there's a lot of people that sort of, that there's like, there's talkers and then there's doers. And there's a lot yeah. of people that, like oh i've written my 60th script you know and and oh okay now i can't i can't get them i can't do this i can't do that and it's always excuse after excuse and stuff and and we're sort of like okay well we're gonna make a movie and we're gonna we're gonna we're gonna get it funded regardless so we started by going down i guess what would be the traditional route which was finding uh, a private investor to nice. invest in the film but because we were a bunch of nobodies and we hadn't done it before, there was nothing to show for that to say, yes, you will make your money back. So instead of kind of going, all right, well, that failed, you know, we can't do it. Let's feel sorry for ourselves. Let, mm -hmm. Let's raise the money ourselves. So by that point, we'd sort of spent the last six to eight months building uh, our YouTube channel um, and garnering quite a bit of momentum with it. And we, we had, we had a, a really strong, small, but strong uh, subscriber base that just loved what we did. Um, mm -hmm. And although our stuff is albeit very tongue in cheek and, and quite stupid, the stuff that we do on there does show that we, you know, we do know what we're doing and stuff to some extent. We just don't do it the traditional way of, of I guess, I don't know, look at these charts and, you know, let's be really boring and, and explain stuff. So I, either way, people, really respected us in that sense so we decided to ask our subscribers if they would like to invest uh smaller increments in the film in return for what an investor would get which are shares in the profits and we managed to do that and and we raised the money for it um all the money that we wanted that's incredible how did you why did you think to do that in the first place had you because crowdfunding is another option you could could have gone down but you did your own crowdfunding within your own world which to be honest is genius it's like why not you've got a following do you want to invest in us we're here you don't need to do a crowdfunder type thing how did you set about to do that how did that come about 
I've done crowdfunding before for a short film called Exit Plan. Don't ever watch it. It's really bad. But that's kind of how what how me and Adam really got to know each other. Yeah, thanks for those who put money into that. Cheers. Yeah. <laughs> I did a, I did a small crowdfund for that and, and like raised about a thousand pounds type of thing, which paid for this short film. Okay. Um, and I did it the traditional route that I'd seen everyone else doing it, which was, you know, give us. 50 quid and you get your name in the credits give us a hundred pounds and you get a a crappy mug with the logo on like and it's like yeah all all this junk that nobody actually wants and i was like this is just ripping people off and they're not gaining anything from it we're gaining everything do you know what i mean none of them none of i find not to kind of slam anyone else is doing that route that everyone's got their own route but i feel like you're you're giving money to people and you're you're they're taking it, making their dreams come true. And then it's by, and we were like, well, how can we do this fairly? Like we would go to an investor and get money mm-hmm. and then we'd give them the percentage that they deserve for the money that they've, they've invested. So they'll make money off that. Mm-hmm. What's stopping us doing that on a crowdfunding level of everyone who kind of chips in? We, we kind of kept over a specific amount because if someone gives you three pounds, it's going to be really awkward to try and work out a percentage that way so we said anyone who kind of invests over this amount like because we we did have a donate thing um but it was like if you want to donate over this amount you will send you a contract all, all these types of things and you'll get investment and we we went that route and people responded really well and we were super surprised that people trusted in us and um it's great because our main goal was to make sure they're paid back one because it felt morally right to make sure they're paid back their money and two, because it shows that we've made a profitable film. Before we did it, we couldn't find investors because they were like, you're a risk. You haven't proved that you can get an investor's money back. So getting an investor's money back was our number one priority with this film. And um, we we got them all their money back in the first deal, like before a single unit was sold. That's really great news. Well done. That's really cool. How did you set it up then? So because people will be fascinated by this because one of the hardest thing for a filmmaker to do is find the money, find an investor, find the money and make your first feature is that's the tough bit. Anyone can find an idea. Anyone can come up with a great script, but it's finding the money. I guess a lot of the work had already been done prior to that. I think because essentially you get to know an investor and you build a rapport with them and then you have a relationship and then you can ask them, hey, because you know me and you know how uh, trustworthy I am, you know how hardworking I am, would you be interested in investing X amount? And they'll go, yes, I will take a punt because I trust you. But because we didn't have that, we had the same thing just on a different parallel, which was our subscribers who did believe in us, who did trust us, who knew that we we were good at what we did. Um, But I guess that a lot of the bulk of work had been done for the six to eight months, maybe a little bit longer, building up to that of, building that rapport with people so i think whatever avenue uh, a filmmaker wants to to take to raise that money whatever it is he or she would need to spend time garnering or building uh that rapport with whatever avenue they want to take with you know for investment just building rapport but there are so many different ways to do it without going down the corporate route of speaking to a financial investor or banker or whatever you know yeah, so many people fall down on crowdfundings by just thinking their idea is strong enough. They're going to put it out on a crowdfunding platform and everyone's going to put money in. No, why should they? If you've not built up to that stage like you guys did brilliantly with the YouTube channel. I know we did when we did our crowdfunding for my Th- Food for Thought documentary is that we built up a huge following on Facebook on our, you know, Save the Planet style pages. So we had loads of people who were already interested in what we were doing. So then when we said, hey, we're now raising funds for this. Well, it was easy for them to put money in exactly what you'd not easy but it was an easier sell than going hey i'm doing this anyone want to put in and it's like what you're doing what really exactly okay. exactly yeah there's this generation of like especially bands now that are doing their like twitch streams and doing their like mm-hmm. interactions so so fans of say a, a film director or <clears throat> a guitarist or a singer or anybody can can get really close and feel like they're in that person's life as a friend and there's there's that level of trust and if if they've seen your posts and and, and the things that you want to create with your film whether it be documentary film or <clears throat> or music if people like what you do enough then them giving that money to you on crowdfunders or or as the investment is a it definitely is an easier path like adam says it's it's the the, the channel subscribers love what they do and how they talk about stuff because they they 
their input and their advice on on filmmaking it is there it's 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 solidly there and they're just tongue-in-cheeking like they're saying and people like that that they're not taking themselves so seriously close friend of mine who who's um actually quite wealthy who who is potentially in, interested in in coming on board the next project um mm. or, or at least helping find some of the people in his circles for the next project and albeit you know knowing him for for the better part of two years now without the achievements of, of hosts he, he wouldn't be interested but he, even he's been advising me on, on stuff and you know how to pitch and, and stuff because I, I i don't wear suits i can't stand wearing suits i hate the corporate world and i said to him you know what if you hook me up with you know a contact of yours how do i dress you know how do i speak and he goes he goes what the fuck are you talking about you go in you be yourself you you wear you know dress casual don't wear mm. a suit dress how you would normally dress maybe on a night out and be yourself because they want to get to know you they want to know the personality if you try and put on this corporate facade they're going to see right through you I think the, the key thing is just going in there and not trying to be someone else not putting on a mask just be you and and i think that's ultimately what sells it love that adam that's so good and so well put and it's so true i know that's how i got my movies made the start was just being me you know this is me this is what i'm selling just get on with it or not um and people do buy into you as a person there's no question about that and your guys did that on the um on your youtube channel they're like well we like the guys we like what they do we they won't read the script you know what I mean? They're putting in their 10 quid, 15 quid, 20 quid because they believe in you guys. And that's what it's about. I don't think anyone on our channel invested because they thought the film sounded amazing. Like we didn't really give them a lot of information. We knocked up some half-assed kind of um, concept trailer, which looked awful and went, this is what we're going to try and do. It looks rubbish because we shot it in one night, but you get an idea. And uh I think people just want, like you said, they're investing in us because they, they trust us. And and I think it's really important that you reward that trust. Otherwise, you won't won't get very far in the future. Very true. Did you set it up like a Patreon page? So with, with your YouTube channel, did you di how did you direct the people to, you know, put money in? We did a 12 hour like live stream. And it was like, like basically we had a PayPal account hooked up to info at darkfablemedia.co.uk and all that. So like anyone that wanted to make donations under a certain amount would send it to that or anyone that was interested in making a, an, an actual investment in return for shares would send an email and then we would then get our producer to send over a contract to them and, and discuss or negotiate I see. Their, their shares in the back end and, and stuff. So. amazing so you just did it through paypal that's so cool neil were you involved at that point the, the guys did incredibly with that because filling 12 hours with watchable content is extremely hard um a lot of it was adverts and um stuff from like sponsors and well, not official sponsors uh aperture mm. lights and and things that rich and adam had shot with aperture lights and, and things like that i mean look that sounds amazing that you did that and well done how much did you raise in the end and how much did you want to raise we wanted to raise 25 grand and we raised, I think, between 22 and 23. Amazing. It was enough to do it. And we, and we managed it uh, within, that, within that budget. How did you set that budget aside? Why did you think you could make a movie for 25K in the first place? Was that your, had you done your budget sheets and you said, right, we can get house, we can get actors. Talk us through that process. One of our producers, Craig Hind, we had them look at the script and they went through, kind of gave a rough cost. And then he said, what can we achieve? and what can we do and then we kind of went this is what we want okay you can't have that okay so let's have another think about what we can do and uh, we ended up shooting the whole film in my house and the composer's house for for free wow that's great was it one of the composers that kept emailing you <laughs> oh, have you got a house but you kept replying back have you got a nice house we can film it <laughs> we kind of worked it all out and just kind of begged because he's got he had a really nice house he sold it now but we kind of went into the script writing the story and the scenes to what we have at our disposal. The only thing we were umming and ahhing about, this, the original script was written to a house we were going to hire, but looking at costings of it and the sheer amount of blood we were going to be throwing all over the place, it's going to be hard to find somewhere that would allow us to do that, even if we did have the money to pay for it. So we ended up spending um, a month or two, me and Adam kind of just decking out my house, decorating it, re-wallpapering the whole house, laying down carpet on top of the carpet so that the blood can just get all in that. And I still find blood to this day 
like two years on. That's incredible. And I suppose it's your experience from making your shorts, music videos, etc. You knew what you could achieve on that budget. Now, I take it hardly anyone was paid if paid at all. Uh, and it was all the money went into food, uh, getting people there. Yeah, every, everyone. We didn't want to. The, the same way we wanted to, to do something fairly with the investors, we we wanted to we wanted everyone to get paid on this as well um, because they deserved it. Obviously, we you know we couldn't pay what we huge what, amounts. What but... we yeah, I mean the cast are all fantastic and they deserve so much more, you know. But but we we wanted to pay everyone a flat rate, you know, each day, and we did all twenty, I think it was cast and crew. Everyone was paid, and the rest was. It was like Rich said, you know, touching up on that. It was let's make the make use of what we have, and let's really, really like if we want to get. This is a bad example because this is the only one where we didn't check, uh, didn't be careful. What where we weren't careful with money, but say we wanted to get wallpaper, uh, you know, we would say, okay, cool. If this place does that, let's see if we can find it for one pound fifty cheaper somewhere else. It was so tight, and like all the furniture and the props for the. Uh, most of it, if 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 we didn't build it, all the furniture and props we got were we went to charity shops and we got like a huge pile of books for like five p a book, you know, like all these. Apart from the wallpaper, which we just had to have, and that was kind of the most expensive prop, but yeah, <laughs> you had to have it because it, it did look stunning. I thought I thought the movie was beautifully shot. It looked beautiful, beautifully performed across the board, and just really interesting. A lot of SFX, some really cool VFX, you know, and, and I was, I'm actually quite amazed you've done all that on 23K. A lot of that is because because I'm a DOP and this is my house. I've got a full edit suite. I've got the cameras. I've got the lenses. I've got everything we need to shoot, shoot a film. So there was zero cost on the camera department. There was zero kind of cost, I, I guess, on um the visual effects on the post-production uh, that was all mm. kind of mitigated I, we, I was paid a bit for my time but other than that there was no outgoing so the well, pretty much that whole 25k budget was spent on wages and a couple of little bits that we didn't have um but the way we did the wages as well i just wanted to add is that everyone was on the same flat rate there was no hierarchy so the directors got paid uh, the, the same day rate as um, Buddy, the little kid, you know, there's everyone. We just said we can't afford to pay crazy amounts. We're not going to pay as low as a lot of people go or free. Mm-hmm. We want to kind of choose somewhere in the middle and pay everyone the same. So there's no arguments of why they're getting paid more. I should be getting paid this and blah, 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 blah. And then we made sure that everyone of the cast and the crew got points, as far as I'm aware. So everyone like that's another thing I found when I've worked on other people's films is they'll say you know they'll pay everyone barely any money and then they'll keep all the points to themselves and it's Mm. it's like where's the fairness here I'm doing the favor and you're getting all the payment like we we wanted it to just bless everyone everyone's here to help with our with mine and Adam's vision there and we want to say thank you and make sure you're paid appropriately so we can't physically raise all the money to pay you you know 500 pounds a day we, we can't do that but we'll give you points in the back end so everyone's got an invested interest to to do well and that that stretched across the whole atmosphere of the set it's it it is and i'm not just saying this because it's mine and adam's film this was the best set i've ever been on as far as the atmosphere of the cast it felt like a family and everyone put in over more, more than they were paid do you know what i mean and it wasn't out of telling them like you should be doing this this everyone wanted to and everyone offered to just get involved and and get mucky and there was a lot of cross departments thing we had the composer building props we had you know all this type of thing and everyone was just mucking in and it was amazing and we were just a family for that 10 days that we shot you shot for 10 days well that's that's how to make an indie film is you you've all got to do it together you've all got to get stuck in and there will be days that were tough and there will be days that are amazing you know and there'll be problems as there always is on an indie film where you can't solve them with a bit of money um what were the major issues you did have when shooting the movie then what were things that you learned that you do differently uh, on the next one i guess oh, this is probably always a case even on even on the big hollywood films you know time you know it'd be great to have shot this in in to have more time but that just wasn't feasible there were certain things that we maybe didn't pay that much attention to detail to beforehand that we 
definitely would now in terms of the pre-production and the build-up to the shoot. But I think the reason, one of the main reasons we didn't was because, again, this was such a DIY job and we'd spent so much time beforehand turning Rich's house into the the bloodbath that it would become, you know, like, yeah, so, yeah. Um, I don't know, I guess just, just more, more planning. You can never, you can never plan enough and, and, and rehearsals, you know, rehearsals, that would have been great. But I think again, that just requires more, more budget and more time um, to do that. One struggle that we ran into and I'll, I'll take the blame, um, but we, I kind of took on the role of, finding costumes and we, we discussed uh, between me and Adam what kind of look we wanted for the characters and one thing we set out which I think is really helped because lots of people have commented on how how the film looks and a lot of people kind of I've been on shoots before where they're like yeah you're the DOP make it look like that and I'm like well this isn't that location this isn't that color palette this isn't that so one thing that lots of people don't understand is choose a color palette for your film. And when we sat down and went, these are the tones we want in the film, in the, the set, the costume, the props, everything kind of has to fall into a color palette. And it really goes a long way of making your film look that next level of, you know, we're matching the, the wallpaper with the clothes and, and, and things like that and, and their characters as well. Um, and so going back to what I was saying before, so I was looking, I was like, again, we're on cheap, 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 and finding costume for cheap, cheap, cheap was probably one of the hardest things. So I went on eBay and bought a load of costumes, got sizes off people um, and bought them on, on eBay. And then they arrived and the, the actor center was like, this is rubbish. Like, this is just, <laughs> do you know what I mean? That shell suit material when it looked like oh, suede, do you know what yeah, I mean? And you're like, yeah. this is awful. So we were down on time on getting costume. And then we had, um, we had, I'm not going to go into this, we had a little dispute between some, some actors didn't appreciate the costumes that we got them. They're like, I'm not wearing that. I'm not wearing that. And it was like, okay, okay. So we were like, well, you, you kind of are like, well, and then they're like, oh, we'll bring our own to set. And so we're like, okay. And they showed it and we're like, it matches the colors. You're comfortable in it. We want the actors to feel comfortable to get the best performance. That's great. We've got a good, we've got a good happy thing there. So we're on set day one, uh, day two, which was the day of all the cast. And then we look in the camera and we've got Moray on the costumes. Shimmering of tightly knit patterns that deals with the, the, the sensor of the count of digital cameras. You see it on some old TV shows when the presenter's tie or suit is shaking backwards and forwards. Yeah, like, like rainbow colours and stuff. So yes. we were like, what can we do? This is their costume for the whole film. The whole film takes place in one evening. Um, so uh, Gillen, the producer, kind of got in the car and ran down to Sainsbury's and went and saw the perfect costume that matched the colours, everything, just grabbed it, came back, and we were like, yes, we're only two hours behind on the most heavy night of, of, of the whole production that had to run smoothly. Get them in costume, yeah. fire the camera up, look through it, and we realised that another actor's got Moray on theirs. And we're oh. like, why didn't we even see them? Because we were looking through a close before at this other character. And we were like, yeah. we, are, we are completely balls this. This was completely, we should have done costume tests. We should have done that. Mm -hmm. all, all that stuff that didn't even come to mind of Moray and stuff like that. So we luckily, we actually had some of the eBay costumes that we weren't going to use worked for a different character and so we were like, let's just swap that costume over. And it, and it worked out. But we were about three hours behind schedule on the heaviest night. And that scene has become the most iconic scene in the whole film. So It's amazing. Is that the table scene? The table scene, table yeah. scene. There we go. That's amazing, isn't it? I think costumes are really important. And it often gets overlooked in independent filmmaking. So, oh, bring your own. Bring a few costume ideas. But you forget they've got to get blood on it. Or they've got to run around in it and ruin it if it's their own personal costume but also it has to fit the color palette like you say and people do forget how costume is so important in a film especially for young actors and whatever that it might be their first time being seen
seen in a movie. Their friends and family are going to see it. They want to look good in those clothes. They don't want a baggy, ridiculous, make them look fat, make them look skinny. Make them... They don't want that. So actually costume is something that independent filmmakers do overlook, but it, I think it's vital. So it's, yeah, it's a really good thing. Neil, how was it for you on set then, you know, in terms of that world? There's a lot of things in the, in the indie world um, that gets overlooked because purely because of budgets. Um, the only thing that makes a film and a filmmaker and a director any better is the fact that they have people doing actual jobs that they don't have to do themselves so they're not splitting their time so luckily on host it was everyone clubs together and do, does them jobs without moaning or, or wanting more pay or wanting better food I, I just 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 secondly what you're saying is is those jobs like a costume designer would have relieved a lot of stress of Richard Adams day load and what they had to do as well as other jobs and things that we didn't have the luxuries for like continuity or script supervisors or or do you know what I mean we we, we had first ADs we had producers on set and runners but there's all those little jobs that big films can afford because they're, mm -hmm. they're, they're a job for people and you only really see those people on, on high budgeted films. But when it comes to indie film, yeah, those things are, they can be the make or break of what makes your film look slightly better or, or, or slightly worse if you've, if you've told um, Stephen to turn up with his own clothes and he's a, a, a goth. He, he, he turns up with all his black clothes that don't fit anything and uh, what well, you mm -hmm. said, bring your own clothes and it, it, it's not a lot of thought and that's someone's livelihood that does that for a job. And Totally. Yeah, there's an Oscar for the people like that. You know, it's 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 that world. It's really important. How many crew did you have on set then? Because that's a really good point. Is and those people need to be on top of their game. If it was a first, a second. If you're lucky to have a production assistant, you know, production manager. How many people did you have on set? So our cast was uh, Neil Ward, uh, Samantha Loxley, Nadia Lamine, Jennifer Preston, Frank Jakeman, um, Lee Hunter, and Buddy Skelton. Uh, and then we had Buddy's mum, Jodie, who was with us. Uh, Benjamin Simons, who... What did she do? What did the mum do? Was she just helping out? She was just helping out. She had to be his, be there as his official guardian, but she she was she was just lovely. She's so lovely. She, she's great. Um, Benjamin Simons, who composed the film, he, he was the composer, but he was also acting as script supervisor and, and mucked in on loads of other stuff. Um, and gave you a location as well, by the sounds of it. Yeah, and let us use his house. Um, <laughs> Sean, Sean Hodson, which was uh, Rich's uh, second camera op. Um, it also... First AC. Yeah. First AC, yeah. And, and he, Gaffer. And Gaffer, yeah. Wow, um, okay. What a was, lad. Amazing. He was brilliant. Uh, Kate Griffiths and her assistant, Kaylee Walker, they were the ones that did all the, the, the makeup and prosthetics and stuff really cool work that, I'm going to uh, talk about that. yeah uh craig hind and gillen williams producers um craig hind also ad gillen williams also took on the task of dit which i would never want to take on personally so <laughs> fair play to him um runners eamon yates and nick tark um jason twigger the caterer and also alex tabrizi who was he was he was a runner but he also did the behind the scenes for us too um nice and then last but not least wayne uh doing sound for us wayne ray yeah, yeah i've worked with wayne a few times lovely lovely guy where did you shoot were you in london uh south oxfordshire ah okay all right hence why people are much more open to yeah come use my house <laughs> yeah and you were going well because yeah it's true that's really interesting 10 day shoot incredible how did how much like you say you said you prepped it for a while but then you said you could have done with more prep time so what did you do in that prep time what was the main focus were you sorting out shot lists were you just getting your crew together and how long did you really sort of set out because obviously you guys are doing your other jobs as well because you're not necessarily getting you know paid for that time so and certainly nothing that you can you know pay your mortgages for so yeah it was um decorating the house putting the carpets in um we built some furniture, so uh, we built the, the dining table and the um, the island in the kitchen. The island in the kitchen, oh, because did. that was, that was one thing. Uh, we basically went through the rooms and went, "How are we going to shoot this?" We didn't necessarily storyboard. We just went, "How do we want the layout of the the rooms to look so it's best for the camera angles?" So when we went into the kitchen. All the counters run along the sides of the wall, as they always do. We built an island that comes out so that they can face the camera while talking and and have that so that kind of solved that we were also doing the uh the shot breakdown of every shot and then that just went instantly in the bin when we realized how much time we had 
um, and the, the, basically the whole film consists of safety shots, which is really <laughs> nice when people compliment the cinematography because I'm like, oh, it could have been, could have been good. <laughs> That's always what I love that you said the safety because it's true. You kind of do your shot list, then you do your safety shots, and then when you've got no time, you just go straight to safety shots. We're just this will cover the scene, and that's fascinating, isn't it? And the fact that you did all that prep means that you were able to do that. You know, if you'd gone, oh, I, I've done this loads of times, I'll be fine. You'd have got lost. So it's really interesting you did that. And did you work? You worked together on that? And did you did you walk around Rich's house and your composer's house, sort of plotting out the shots? Because you shot this before COVID. There was one weekend I was there. We were going through what kind of shots we wanted to do, and we were just sitting there. I remember the the one shot that. Uh, I wanted to to do for Neil, but it just didn't work. Uh, when he hears the thump upstairs in in his, in the his and Samantha's house in the film, and the camera's supposed to drop and look up at him looking at the ceiling, and I remember just trying it on my phone with Rich, like in front of me, and like it's just it's just all of that. I'm writing all these these crazy ideas of special shots. That how many times did we actually try that shot on set as well? Like... <laughs> About thirty. Like, really? Yeah, right. yeah just couldn't get it but um yeah so many so many amazing like just so many cool shots that we thought of that we were like man this is gonna be so so good but we just didn't have time to do it and yeah rich says that it consists of a bunch of safety shots and that it could have been good and i quote but actually i think it looks fantastic and that is down that is down to rich being a master DOP and making a bunch of safety shots look like Hollywood. And that's all you, Rich. Amazing. I thought the cinematography was amazing. I really loved how it looked. I, I, like I say, I think it was like, whoa, okay, this is really cool for a you know, really low budget. It's a micro budget indie and it's impressive. It's really impressive. You can see why it's done well because of that. I thought it was really well directed and performed. It really is a strong, strong movie and debut movie. It's like, wow, well done. And obviously a movie called Host came out in the same fucking year, which is, you know, blew up as well, which must have been highly annoying knowing you had this, you know, movie host, you can't wait. And then suddenly Host drops on you in fucking COVID. Uh, did that affect you guys? Did you think about changing the title at all or had you already done the credits by then? <laughs> There's no way. It, it was all done by then and it came out and I think everyone sort of got a bit disheartened at first, but we didn't. I think the majority of us were like, whatever, you know, they're two completely different entities. You know, the only thing similar is, is the title. And I watched host and I think they did a fantastic job. I think they did great, but it's completely different films. Yeah. I, I kind of wish there was someone on that team that looked at IMDb before coming up with the title, but you know, these things happen. I think it, it might've helped, you know, host was a huge, you know, splash in terms of the shutter thing. And I think people have gone, cool. And if they bought it by mistake, great. You know, then they would have loved it because it's a really good film. And if nothing else, it's only, oh, yeah, I've heard of that film when they see it. So it's just the association with a cool word, you know, being, you know, having a name the same as someone else's or whatever. It sometimes can help you. Where did the idea come from? Because it's a really cool, you know, it's home invasion sci-fi. It's really nice. What, did you did you always have this idea that this was, you know, going to be the story you wanted to make as your debut movie? Well, uh, me and Rich have always wanted to make the most uh, sadistically fucked up films, basically, uh, known, to, known to mankind. Um, but... I, like we'd already written uh, a film together um also with nadia lamine who plays lauren in hosts she also co-wrote she co-wrote with us uh for this other film called dirge which is on hold at the moment and we plan to do that at some point in the future but when we came to to doing hosts all we kind of knew is that we were ready to write a film um i guess nothing had sort of come to light yet in terms of ideas and i was uh, I was at home uh, one evening with uh, my ex and she ended up just going, oh, I just saw this blue light at the window. And I'm like, oh, sorry, what? She's like, I just saw a blue orb in the bottom left-hand corner of the window. So I'm like, okay. So I, I went to the kitchen <clears throat> and grabbed a knife because I was a little bit freaked out and went into the garden and searched the garden. And lo and behold, nothing's there. Came back in and I just thought, you know what, this would be a really cool idea for a film, like or a scene or an opening scene to a film. So I got on the phone to Rich and told him and he was like, yeah, I agree. I think there's something here. This could be cool. The next day I just went away and, and wrote the screenplay in the, the first draft of the screenplay within about 10 days. And then over the next few months, me and Rich just 
just continue to develop it. Amazing. <laughs> uh, the story is, for those who don't know, family fall victim to a series of violent murders when they invite their neighbours over for Christmas dinner. Um, it's it's just cool, simple concept, but it works well. And also what you did really cleverly is you played on the fact that it, it is low budget in terms of you didn't play on that fact, but you're like, well, we've got we've got a house. What can we do in this place? Where can people hide? Use the loft, you know, use so many cool little areas in there. Doors locked, can't get through things, you know, and I thought it was really interesting. Uh, I, I thought, you know, like I say, the let's, let's talk about the SFX and that gore element in terms of you wanting to do a sadistic type movie. A lot of the time when you're shooting or DOPing, whatever, the, the scene kind of comes in, you're like, yeah, it, it, you just do this and this and this. But I haven't really done a lot of that kind of thing before. Most of the stuff that I've shot before for other directors is quite drama-based. We assumed that Buddy wasn't going to be allowed to be in the room while we did it. Buddy's the young kid, though, for those who don't know. yeah. We commissioned off of Kate just ahead that we could batter in. Spoilers, by the way. Um, <laughs> but she came with a full body. And so I thought I was going to have to keep the camera work quite simple and CGI the body in and connect the head. We'd have to CGI Buddy back in with masks and stuff like that. So when Kate turned up with the full body and um, Buddy's mum was like, no, it's absolutely fine. He wants, that's why he's here. He's so excited about (laughs) seeing how it all works. And like, it, yeah, it's, from certain angles, when you stood in that room, it looked absolutely gut sickening. But you just walk around the table a bit, and you can see how fake it all is. Mm-hmm. Do you know what I mean? So yeah. he he was fascinated by the process, and he wasn't upset or thing by it. And his mum like assessed it and, and was like, "Yes, no, it's fine." So that just made life so much easier for us. And we we did have the ultimate backup, which we never wanted to go to, which is we just cut away from the whole thing which is most films will do that. And we were like, but from the very second that we were writing this, we knew we wanted everything in camera and show it in its full glory or gory. <laughs> it's amazing. It really does come across really well. And it's it's brilliant. You had a great team there. Neil, how was it for you then to play a character like this? Because, you, you know, you're a chirpy chappy and you're playing that sort of role at first. And then you have to just be this much more darker control character. And I know you've played stuff like that in, in the past in uh, Two Graves and 24 Little Hours and stuff. But I really enjoyed, you know, what you did. Uh, the two of you when you were, were in that sort of menacing colder blue eyed the blue eyes look brilliant by the way so well done Rich if that was your uh, VFX really cool Neil how was it for you then uh, to be in that character and how are the boys directing you what what tips did they give you along the way I, I've compared it before in the past of like how sort of Tom Hardy does legend this one that's very quite close to what he's like in interviews and then there's another one that's like that that persona that sort of hard sort of intense kind of character and then that's that's the way i approach this it helps having someone good to play alongside um mm. who's who's equally as, as good if not better so then you can you can you can sit with them and play with the the the, the levels of the scene and make it quite natural and, and and fun and loving and then being all sort of puppy doggy and like just like a soppy boyfriend really which is which is kind of what I'm like anyway with like with, with with my girlfriend. I do those little things. I buy little presents that mean something, not like, oh, here's an iPod or here's a here's a laptop, here's a TV. I'd rather mean something there. So a lot of mm-hmm. Jack in in his family life with with um, Lucy in the film, she's uh, he's 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 essentially in a heightened version of me, just a bit soppier and a little bit more playful. Um, but then the intense scenes, it's it's I find it really easy to go from one side to another very very quickly yeah. i find that's that's just quite a good trait to have as an actor is that you can have to switch on stuff because of the, the demanding nature of the job you have to be able to draw upon it and i think for me i don't i don't method or do any of that kind of stuff I, there's there's situations in my life where i've been extremely angry or i've been like um a bit intense or a bit argumentative and you just draw on those moments you know they're the lines you've got to say they've got to be quite intense and i always find less is more and some films I've done where it's quite shouty and it's like blah 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 blah, but with the intense Jack or the the possessed Jack, it's there's more rhythms, there's more beats, and there's more sort of just playing with with the body, which I know Sam was doing a lot of as well, like the movement and the the, the feel of the piece. I thought it was great. I thought it was really strong performance, Matt. I really enjoyed it a lot. 
I thought, like I said, across the board for an indie movie, it was spectacular across the board. So well done. Let's talk about distribution real quick then, because you, you mentioned at the beginning that you have made your money back, you know, the, the, the money you got put in and what happened, and uh, which is incredible for any indie film to do that. So how did you do that? How did you get the sales and distribution on board? How did you get it to where it is? You know, number was proper high in the charts with all the releases and stuff as well. But let's talk about the distribution and sales real quick about how you managed to do that. We're really fresh to this. I've done music videos before, but it's nothing compared to kind of creating a film from scratch. And there's a lot of learning to be done. So mm. we were Googling, how do you get a distributor? Watching YouTube videos, how do you yeah. get a distributor? And pretty much all of them unanimously said, don't cold, cold call and don't cold email. You need to find an in. Um, they will just completely say, sorry, we don't take unsolicited calls and hang up on you. And we were like, right, okay, so we can't do that. But I think this is what we were saying. I, I don't know if it's different other than COVID. This is the first time we've done it. But we assume that because COVID happened, there wasn't meetups, there wasn't markets that you could go and meet these people at. There wasn't any of this. So we feel like the distributors were in as much a, a panic of how do we get in contact with new films as, as we were in how do we get in contact with the distributors. So we were very um, blessed to receive um, a nice hefty list of contacts of distributors like we had a, a call from Lionsgate saying we want to get on a corporate phone call with you with the head of acquisition in um LA remember that that morning woke up like <laughs> what is going on pure, pure, I just I've never been so scared in my whole life really? my, my instant mind was they're gonna sue us because they probably got a film coming out with the same or something there's no way they want to speak to us because they like the film like the, we've, we've taken a punt but um, so they got on a call and they said that, you know, straight up, they were like, we're not going to take it, but we just wanted to get on the phone to tell you how awesome this film is. It's too low budget for us because uh, it's not the, the I guess, the, the high names and it's a, a one location place and there's certain tells that it's a low, low budget. But they said, we, you've really impressed us as these two new directors that have come out of the woodwork and we've got our eye on you. And we were like, holy crap, like this is nuts um but we actually had our eye on dark sky from the very beginning it was one that we thought <clears throat> is in the ballpark of or, or that we always want to push high and it was that little bit higher than we we probably deserved you know what i mean and kind of um going up there and and so we we had our eye on them we we loved um johnny kevorkin's uh films with them and um so we were like let's 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 kind of aim for them so neil managed to get us a contact there um with with um dark sky and we, we sent it to them and they loved it i mean we were already sold to dark sky because like as rich said you know we were, we were a big fan of uh away further instructions johnny johnny kevorkian rest in peace by the no, way which was no. tragic but um yeah so we were already kind of sold but it what, what really i guess got us really excited um if that was even possible uh was the extremely long email that they sent back to us describing in every little detail how much they loved the film and why and that to us was like holy shit man these guys are just as passionate as us we know that they are going to put that work in we know they are they are so passionate so we we were sold before but that was just like you know that was just extra it was great so yeah we we yeah, we just started. I mean, it didn't take long, but we we, we negotiated for for a little bit and and came to a a mutual agreement, which was very pleasing for both the hosts camp and the and the, and the dark sky camp, and and that's kind of how it went down. It was great, and they've been fantastic and and really supportive of us, and and they're just great. Well, the buzz is great, you know. Reviews have been great. That's what it's about. So, listen, well done. And finally, a little bit of advice from all of you about. Uh, something you've learned along the way something you shouldn't do as indie filmmakers some really cool up and comer now wanting to go make the first movie adam start with you do it just do it there's nothing you sh shouldn't you know don't don't be afraid of, of trying different things don't be afraid of, of experimenting just do it and if if you can't if you reach one roadblock you know jump over it or go down another road you know like don't ever stop and don't be afraid to try things you will get there if you if you remain focused and dedicated and if you you know if, if a bunch of idiots like us can do it any anyone can and that's 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 the truth 
Amazing. Neil? I, I have to take the sort of actor stance here and just sort of give a bit of advice to, to actors looking to, <clears throat> um, to make something good and, and to, to build themselves up because I've been trying to do this for 15 years and I finally found two people that sort of got what I did and, and, and believed in me as much as I believed in myself to, to, to give me the opportunity to be in a film like this. And I've been in other things. I've, I've done good castings and I've done good auditions and I've been good in other roles, but um, they're very few and far between because we are oversaturated in what we do. So my advice to, to actors searching out, being in, in good films and being in a, an indie like, like host is to, to not, be desperate and to 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 make sure that you are the best that you can be love that rich don't make excuses don't put roadblocks don't say oh i'd love to make a film but that is the worst sentence you can ever deliver as a, an aspiring filmmaker because there is no but we started this with zero money zero anything apart from i have a camera because i'm a dop but you you can find someone you can find anything like people are putting out films that are winning festivals on their iphone everyone's got a phone like there, there's no, literally uh, this is the most time in history that making a film there's no excuse amazing uh, you boys are brilliant so talented it's amazing to chat to you thank you so much for coming on honestly incredible thanks for having us thank man. you pleasure really appreciate it no you. problem head to dark fable media youtube channel uh and i'm going to go and polish off my 90s scripts and uh get one ready for this coming year uh brilliant thanks so much guys honestly your time's are really valuable and i appreciate it go watch hosts with an s now links to that are in the show notes cheers boys thank you thank you, thank lot, you very much cheers. And take care, Thank everyone. You. See you next week. Bye-bye.